Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Logos Bible Software. That's our sponsor today. They will help you search for almost any word in the Bible, including He-Man, who's in the Bible. You need to get Logos Bible Software. Use everything they have. They're not just a fancy online digital concordance. They have vast libraries, original word tools. I mean, the thing is absolutely loaded with every tool, literally every tool you could ever need. Bible dictionaries, biblical thesauruses, you name it. It's all there. Even Bible study crafting tools. Go to LogosBibleSoftware.com. I uh, I had to look up He-Man thanks to your commercial. He's in there. He's in there 15 Dude. times. Yeah, he's an Ezraite. And not only that, Ishbi Binob, which is in my top three of biblical baby names. Worked He-Man into a sponsor's commercial and it's actually accurate. I'm like, <laughs> hey, away. that's why they pay me the big money. Dude, and I wouldn't have known that had it not been for logos. You Bibles. know what? And, and another one you ought to know, and oh. this is how she's known in the Bible, the wise woman of Tekoa. Like the wise women of Tekoa say, and, and by the way, that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible is when they're like, even to this day, it is said, you know, and they have this like saying, you know, like Saul among the prophets. Dude, I'm telling you, you know, you, you should get into this whole uh, preaching thing. I think you know a thing or two about the Bible. I think I think I should. And funny enough, I hey, I like how you set that up because I wasn't planning on announcing it, but I am actually starting a podcast. <laughs> Still announcing it. You've only been talking about it pretty much every week for the last three months. Have I? Yeah. Well, I'm much. starting a podcast with in association with 
through the word. And it is going to be called. Well, I thought you were talking about your church. You're starting church. No, no. This is a new announcement, a new, new announcement, a really new, new announcement. And uh, it's not set up yet, Sonoma, but I'm just, I'm just seeding it. I'll water the seed and then we'll harvest you later on this podcast. But I am making a podcast in association with Through the Word because they have no podcast presence. If you don't listen to Through the Word, you need to check that sucker out. It is eight-minute chapter summaries of the Bible. And being that I'm not preaching these days, and it's something that as I kind of got away, I felt God saying, hey, you need to focus back on my word. Um, I will be pouring myself into a podcast called Bible Ninja. And if those of you that have heard some of the books I did for Through the Word, Leviticus, uh, Ephesians, um, Titus uh, was one of the new ones. Um, First John I, I, I put in the can. So, um, hey, uh, first John in the can. That'd be like a good crank call. Hey, do you got first John in the can? I told you that, uh, I saw those portable, uh, porta potties and there was th- the best one was a company called first John. No way. Yeah. First. <gasps> That's so good. Obviously a Christian with a sense of humor. So here's, here's the deal is I'm going to be starting this podcast. So keep, I'll have two podcasts starting up in future. But one of them, I'm just leaking this. This is this is a leaked spoiler alert. It will be called Bible Ninja or The Bible Ninja. I don't know which one yet. But it will be every chapter in the Bible, starting with Genesis. Ka-chunk. Boom. It's going to be rad. Are you really going to redo what Through the Word does? Well, yeah, because what it is is, you know, I'm on the board for that. And when we had our first board meeting, uh, we were kind of brainstorming. And they were saying that one day the big picture view was to get multiple versions of Through the Word with complete authors or complete commentators. So those of you that know Chris Langham, he's a guy currently at the helm in Refuge Long Beach, our teacher. Uh, he is one of the best expositors on the planet, hands down. So good. And that's his baby. And... Um, you know, we first did it. He was like trying to get people to hurry up and do it. And it's, it's hard to get someone to record a chapter summary. He has very strict guidelines where they have to be like eight minutes. It's got a format. Um, they take a bit of, bit of doing. You can't just show up and talk in a microphone for eight minutes. And, um, so, you know, anyways, it's genius and, uh, it's every chapter. And we, we said, Hey, what if we did this? Um, you know, with multiple authors. And so this has always kind of been the thing, but for me, um, loving the medium of podcasting, that'll, that'll be kind of what we do. So look out for that podcast. It's going to start up probably, um, right now the target date is March, March 1st. It'll drop. That's cool. You should, you should get some sponsors for that. (laughs) I'm working on it, Mitchell. I'm working on it. Nice. Nice. Do you want to sponsor me? (laughs) No. Just checking. You know too much. I know too much about you. <laughs> and you love me anyways, just like Jesus. <laughs> well, not just like Jesus, but you know, he'd hug <laughs> but, you. But you're work you're working on it. He'd give you a hug. And I'm pretty sure I would. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh man. So what's going on, man? What's new? 
Oh, gosh. You know, oh, so I, I was talking with Barry Waters yesterday, and nice. um, he was like, I can't believe you didn't share that story on the podcast. So, by the way, guys, if you're new here, welcome to Smack Talk. We will get into the topic, which today is going to be the topic of sin. And uh, But right now we're going to talk about, um, oh, and, and why we're, gosh, listen to that guy. Now, that was a sin. That, that train guy just had it in for you guys. He's like, you know what? I'm just laying the horn and staying on. You can you can tell how much the sin nature is taken over a train conductor by how much he lays on that horn. You know, if he's grumpy that day, he's like, yeah, yeah, screw everybody. I wonder if conductors, when they're like out in the middle of nowhere, do they try and like make <laughs> with the horn? You know, I understand when they're in the residential area, they're just pretty much annoying everyone, but. If I were a conductor, I'd be like, look, I'm going to see if I can make a new tune. <laughs> just out here in the desert. <laughs> you know, you know that when they're on there and no one's around, they're there pulling that horn going, woo, woo, chugga, chugga, chugga. You know they are. They are. They like, it, it's like if you're a fighter pilot. And, and you're, you, you gotta do donuts, right? Like you gotta do donuts up there, you know, loop de loops. And you know, every time you hit the, 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 the kill engage button, you know, you know, you're going pew, 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 pew. Like you would have to, you know, you Look, turn your microphone if off. And pew, fighter pew. Pilot. If I were a fighter pilot, I would be like Iron Eagle. I would have my cassette player strapped to my leg <laughs> and I'd be playing music. Yeah, I'd give maybe. my, my own life soundtrack right there. That and by the way, for all you younger generation, if if you don't know it, the genius of Guardians of the Galaxy is the eighties. It just is. Accept it. True. You were born too late. Sorry, you missed all the good stuff. And if you don't know what Iron Eagle is, you have to go watch Iron Eagle. Yes, you do. Airwolf, Iron Eager, Eagle, Blue Thunder. I mean, it's all there. It is. It is. But Iron Eagle was. It was the Top Gun before Top Gun. It was. It really was. Wasn't that? Um, which one was? Uh, wasn't that Louis Louis Gossett Jr.? Oh yeah, you yeah, bet. He, he was. He was the Obi One. He was. Yeah, Iron Eagle, and he had that voice, man. Just like you, you were going to learn it. You know, Samuel Jackson. Like he talks, you know, you're going to get your butt kicked. Like, as soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, I'm in for a whooping. But when Louis Gossett Jr. talks, you're like. It, it is like Obi-Wan. It's like Guardian Angel. It's like, uh, you know, you're, it's like Gandalf talking to Bilbo. You know you're going to learn something. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back to your story of what happened. In well, Wales. you know, let's just say that uh, Jonesy narrowly avoided j- uh, jail again. Um, so, you know, I'm in Britain, right? And I live in California. And, you know, I get Amazon packages, so I carry a knife. Plus, I live right next to Oceanside. So everybody carries a knife in Oceanside. So... And, and, and not for like gang fighting. I just had a, a, you know, normal, just locking blade knife. And, uh, so that's what people without guns do. Okay. Go yeah, on. Yeah. So, you know, I had it and, uh, it was in my suitcase on the way out because I checked my bag. And on the way back, we're like, Hey, let's save some money. Let's not check our bags. Now in London, in England, in the UK, you cannot have those knives. Like Americans don't even bat an eyelid at it, but. I go through security and they, they go, Hey, you've, you've got contraband in your, in your bag. And, um, and they were looking at me like really worried. Like I didn't realize what a big, big deal this was because when I was at my buddy's house, I got, 
I, I got a bunch of books delivered. And so, cause you know, I was ordering like, they have amazing books out there that you, you can't really get here. Things like folio society and things like that. I'm a book nerd. So I whipped like, out get here. Like there's, there's a, an iron curtain for books in the U S oh, if you want to pay customs, you ever pay customs from the UK. Have Not fun with buying, that. But you're selling. That's all I'm saying. But go on with your story. Have, have fun with that. Um, yeah, I've, I've gotten tagged by customs numerous times on ordering things overseas. So we don't do that anymore. So anyways. I, I'm, I'm just going to take it as a, as, a, as a great patent story. Not really much in reality, but okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, think what you want, man. So anyways, I, I ended up getting this uh, package. And I opened it up. My buddies are like, oh, dude. Where'd you get that? Like, they kind of freaked out a bit. And I said, I brought it. And they go, you can't have that here. Like, dude, you'll get locked up. So anyways, in security, this conversation comes back to me in full force. And they can't find it. They're looking through me. I have to unpack my entire bag, right? Like, my, my undies, everything. Everything's out for everybody to see. And um, they can't find it. So it looks like I'm smuggling it onto the plane, which makes it even worse and is getting everyone even more nervous. Turns out it was rolled up inside of one of my, my, my jean pockets. You know, it was like still attached inside the pocket. So I did finally find it. And then she goes, um, uh, I have really bad news for you. She says, um, I don't know why you have this, but this is highly illegal. Are you aware of that? And I said, yeah, um, I had a conversation with my friends the other day. Didn't know that when I brought it, but, uh, you know, I was supposed to check my bag and at the last minute decided not to and forgot that was in there. She goes, yeah, you know, she goes, um, I, I just, are you traveling with other people? I said, yeah. She said, I, I hate to tell you this, but we're probably going to have to call the police and you're probably going to go to jail. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> So I just said, Hey, and she's like, she's really apologetic because they're so nice. And I said, you know, I go, Hey, that's okay. I understand. It's my mistake. So she goes and gets a supervisor. Now this conversation must have either been recorded or she must have conveyed it. I think the fact I was so cool about it and so apologetic and like, Hey, I was a mistake. Sorry. You know, okay. I understand. You got to call the police. Fine. And um, I'm looking at the people with me. I'm bringing back a uh, Welsh young lady who is the daughter of one of our uh, church planning core team members from over there. And, um, you know, they're just looking at me like my wife and her like, hey, Jonesy, what have you done? You know, and uh, many ways, the supervisor comes out and she she first question she asked me is, what do you need a knife like that for? I go, not stabbing people. That was my genius response in the moment. <laughs> Not stabbing people. So, uh, which I, I was kind of trying to diffuse it. Like, I know where you're going with this. And she goes, well, why would you possibly have a knife like this? Like, why, what would you possibly need this for? And I said, to open packages, believe it or not. I get a lot of packages. And she, uh, she said, hmm. And, uh, anyways, so she asked me a few more questions and at the end she just said, well, I'm going to tell you, you're really fortunate. She goes, a couple months ago, I would have had no choice but to lock you up. And, you know, today just going to give you a warning and we got to keep it. So I made it through. And then if that wasn't bad enough, um, after that, I saw this place. It's a really good Japanese restaurant over there. Like I hate to say it, but kind of blows our Japanese restaurants away. It's called Wagamama. 
and I had to go to Wagamama and I, I got to my gate four minutes before it took off. So needless to say, I texted the father of this uh, girl, you know, she's in her twenties, but she was coming to, to hang out with us a little bit. And uh, I just texted him and said, by the way, your girl's in great hands. Almost missed a plane, almost went to jail, but everything's fine. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, that is just one crazy, crazy place. I, 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 I often think back about a conversation that you and I had on this podcast, and I just think to myself, Peyton is out of his mind with that statement. And the statement was, they have a much better form of government than we have. And all I can think of when I hear stories like this is, you're out of your mind. Mm. So don't. So don't. You know, it's funny because – I think we do have the best principles of any country ever. And I think when people say America is the number one country in the world, I, I think they're talking about the principles. And, hey, I'm going to agree with everybody on that. I do think our principles are better than Britain's. Do I think the way we go about doing those principles is better? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's, I understand what you're saying. Probably principles – Compared to any other country, but uh, I, I, I can't disagree with that statement. But at the same time, principles are obviously held by a person, not by a people. Um, and because there's so much, uh, you know, uh, disagreement. Well, I'm talking about the Constitution, obviously, and the, yeah, the, the Founding even, Fathers documents. At, even that I got to look at and go – Okay, uh, which version of the Constitution are we talking about? Um, I mean, we're not talking about the original version where black people were three-fifths of a person. Um, so are we talking about, you know, after which amendment? You know, that's – to me, that's where I get – and I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but it's and, – and certainly compared to any other country, I would agree with you. But at the same time, I, you know, it's my own internal struggle with that just because. Oh, yeah. No, I get you. There, you know, there was definitely even even way back in the beginning, particularly on that topic, um, Thomas Jefferson said, hey, this is clearly wrong. But, you know, that was the issue that they said would split the republic. And so they Jefferson said, not now, not today. But he, he definitely knew it was wrong. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, uh, uh Along some of this topic is is uh, I truly believe, and I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. I truly believe that right now we're in the middle of a cold civil war in the U.S. Hmm. And I I just wonder when it's going to boil over into a a you know real live civil war. Um, and I think it, it's entirely possible. Like this is this is some of the the trajectory that could happen. So there's no way Trump's getting reelected. I mean, all these pro-Trumpers out there, they're out of their minds if they think Trump's getting reelected. He barely got elected this time. He's not getting it, it another time. However, um, you know, will he even get a third person on the Supreme Court before he's out? So if he does and, you know, we're starting to see the Supreme Court get more and more conservative cases. They're accepting them like they haven't accepted a Second Amendment case since I think it was like 2011 or 2012. Uh, the famous uh, Heller case, which was uh, about D.C. D.C. had done a ban on all guns uh, and they said you can't ban all guns. I mean, the Constitution specifically says you can't do that. Mm. 
And and they but they wouldn't touch any of these other very clearly unconstitutional gun laws that we've got. But the Supreme Court wouldn't hear those cases, mainly because they didn't want to actually answer them. (laughs) And and basically, you know, when the Supreme Court says something, that's that's now the new standard. So uh, what happens if he gets a third person on there? There's already starting to take it. We're, I mean, as a, as a gun guy, we're kind of excited because we're seeing the Supreme Court take up um, these gun cases and say mm-hmm. that they listen to them. But what happens if he gets a third person on there and abortion comes up, uh, another bigger, you know, gun thing comes up and with three, you know, firmly conservative justices on there, they, they, you know, start changing things. Will that lead to the next civil war in the U S I no, you know, mm. no, or, or cause, cause I could see people just go, well, screw it. We're not going to even forget about the Supreme court. Cause I mean, I remember, uh, after Kavanaugh, there were people saying all oh, the Supreme court needs to go anyway. And it was like, seriously, checks and balances. And you guys don't understand why we have three different completely separate branches. And so I could see, I, I could see this cold civil war that we've got right now turn into a real civil war. Hmm. And that's kind of scary. Wow. Well, you know, maybe I don't have any strong opinions about such things at the moment. I just well, know that we, you've been hearing about what's going on in South Africa and seeing some of that stuff. Not really. No. Oh my gosh, man. It, it is. I was watching a documentary on it. It is, it is to me, unbelievably scary for a multitude of reasons. Um, number one, I look at it and I'm like, okay, how far can a country uh, go down before a civil war? Which scares me because I look at our own country and I go, I, we're in a cold civil war right now, but we're nowhere near as bad as South Africa, which right now, South Africa, if you are a white farmer, you're, I mean, your life is in danger. Your property is in danger. They're just straight taking your property. Um, and it's because it's so poor. I mean, there's like an absurd, I, I can't remember what the stat was, but I mean, if I told you the stat, it was like 50% unemployment in South Africa. I mean, mm. it is just like absurd. So there's no, oh, we're going to take your farm and pay you for it. There's no money to pay you. It's just, now eh, we're going to take your farm. And part of me kind of looks at it and goes, well, is this, you know, the due process of apartheid, you know, now that uh, the whites are out of power, um, you know, is this just you're reaping what you sowed for all those years? I, I don't know. Right. Because I'm not South African. I don't I don't live over there. But it, it is it is it is really, really bad in South Africa. In fact, this this one gal, she owns a, uh, a paintball store and um you can't have guns in South Africa. I mean, you can, but you can't buy basically. And so people will buy paintball guns because they can put marbles in there instead of paintballs. And so they can have some sort of defense. And in the last, it was over three years or five years, she'd been robbed over a thousand times. Like that's just how bad it is. It's, it's, it's really bad. And I look at that and I go, okay, they still haven't had their civil war yet. What's going to happen in the U S like, are we going to go that bad before 
it it finally pops off and we have a civil war is the reason why it hasn't happened because they don't have guns like we do in the US. I mean, so I just I look at this stuff and I'm like, man, this is it's a really, really weird world that our kids gotta grow up in. Mm. I just don't know how bad it's gonna get. Yep. Part of it comes back to our topic of sin, and I'm like, the only thing that fix any of this stuff is Jesus. Right. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch, man. It's interesting. It is. It's crazy. We, we live in a crazy time. And I think that um, people really need to be able to, to think carefully about issues before they speak. Um, you know, in, in America right now, I've, I've said this before, um, we are an emotionally charged, emotionally heated people. And somehow in our country, we think that if you yell loud enough about things and you get angry enough, that makes you sound right. And there, there is the danger right now that ideology is particularly things like the socialism and, and some of these far-leaning left ideologies um, that they, they claim the moral high ground. And I love what Jordan Peterson reminds people of, and that is that remember that under the, the, the claim of helping mankind and benefiting the common man, millions of people were yeah. exterminated. And, and that ideologies can be very dangerous things, especially when anyone, that could be the church or that could be the state, claims the moral high ground and says, hey, this is just right and all of you need to fall in line and forces. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Government is being used as a tool to force things on people and take away freedoms. And so, you know, this, that's what I'm saying about, you know, our principles were great, but we do live in a dangerous time for sure in America. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it that um, we are, we seem to be coming into an era where ideology is probably our greatest threat and danger right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've overturned the concept that religious ideology should be forced upon people. However, um, we have yet to learn that it doesn't matter what the source of the ideology is, whether it's secularism or religion, if it's used to be forced upon people, it inherently becomes evil. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the reasons why America did as well as it did from the beginning uh, was because of the Judeo-Christian backbone. Like to me, the Constitution only works because of that Judeo-Christian backbone. So what happens as that backbone is, you know, not just eroded, but uh, basically tossed aside. Right. Um, Right. I mean, that changes everything, right? Because the Judeo-Christian backbone is basically there's still a respect for people, right? It's not like Islam where it's, look, if you don't agree – then you're dead. Right. Um, if you're not of us, which is not to say that, that Judeo Christian ethic in the U S has been perfect by any means. Um, you can't even argue that today. I mean, you look at what I refer to as uh, cultural Christian. They're Christians because, uh, well, you know, I'm in the U S so therefore I'm a Christian. Right. Um, right. But it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, so, I mean, you can't, you can't make, you know, that argument that it's always that way, but, but, uh, but still there, there is a difference in having that, 
that Judeo-Christian backbone of of sacrifice and love your neighbor. Mm. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a higher good than the self, right? And and unfortunately, um, you know, under under modernism, um, that that kind of became. Um, you know, there were concretes, there were absolutes, and we threw those out in postmodernism and postmodernism deal in absolutes. <laughs> the postmodernist now believes that it's, it's what you feel and everything's over and there are no absolutes and therefore there's no morality really. Um, and, and so what happens is there's a lot of inconsistency. We as a people are embracing a postmodernist worldview but then we are trying to claim moral high ground and it doesn't work. So right now what I'm finding in America is there's a bunch of peer pressure. Um, if, if you, if, if social media dictates, you know, it's kind of like how Paul says, you know, uh, until we reach maturity. So we're not infants on the sea tossed about with every wind of doctrine, you know, but, but he says so that you would become mature, you become like Christ. I think that that Christ stood up as a rebel against um, things of the day, and and it's we have predictable patterns. Like I I totally respect people posting right now on social media about how abortions murder. Right, I I respect that because I think to a certain degree people are making a prophetic stand. Like there was a meme that I saw that was um, it said you know eighteen fifteen. And it, it showed a picture of a slave and it said, not a human being. Then it showed Nazi Germany in the 1940s had a picture of a Jew in a concentration camp and said, not a human being. Then the third picture had the picture of a fetus and said, present day. And underneath it said, not a human being. Mm-hmm. And it said, history will bear this out. And and I do believe that, you know, we're, we're, we're in that we will see this repeated. Throughout time, as you mentioned, that even in the founding of the, you know, there was this inherent hypocrisy. Um, but you know, there, there's there's always going to be um, this this point at which the church has got, and, and and the question is, how do you do this? What's the best way to engage in these conversations? Is it a meme on social media? Could be. Um, is is there, you know. I don't think a meme has ever been the right way. And I'm like the king of memes. (laughs) But but you follow what I'm saying. I mean, you know, is it, is it better to meme or not to meme, to meme or not to meme? That is the question said Shakespeare. Do, do we, do we, that's going to so be a meme to meme or not to meme. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, but, but here's the thing. Do we, do we do what little we can, or do we say, no, I, I can do it better, so I do nothing. And, and, and that's a question, to be honest, just to be frank, when this whole decision in New York came around, I weighed that. Is this the platform I want to have this discussion? But then I'm not having that discussion at all on, right. in a public forum. And so then the question is, do I become the silent majority who says, no, I know that's not right, but we're not saying anything. And so it, these are all things today, and it and it does tie in with our topic today. Um, the the question today. Well, before we get to that, though, I do have to actually share something that 
is a little bit it's on the same topic but it, it's not before we get into the heavy duty topic i need to okay but before you do, let me set up the topic real yeah. quick just to say really what the topic it's not just sin <laughs> sin is it good or bad um the topic today <laughs> is do we talk about it enough have we been browbeaten? Literally, you know, this was, this was the context. So it's funny that our conversation has literally gone this way. Are we talking about it enough? Because obviously we don't want to be the Pharisees. So we, we've really doubled down on grace and acceptance and non-judgment. But where's the point at which we do talk about sin? And have we taken the teeth out of the gospel? So I'm going to leave it there. We'll come back to it. But Pete? You have the conch. Well, here's what I was just going to say is that, uh, okay, so since we have talked about firearms and whatnot, I, I need to share this. Last Saturday, I went to a, uh, a training class. It was, ready for this? Introduction to competitive shooting. Huh? Huh? Okay. So they basically All right. I'm walk- listening. I'm listening. They basically, they walked you through, hey, look, these are all the different leagues that are out there, and these are the rules for this one and the rules for that one, and, uh, you know, you just got to get out there and start doing it, and, you know, and and I'm looking at this, and this is a, uh, I've said this before, okay, the, the gun community is exceptionally open to people, like, if you if you love to go shooting, you're one of them, right? And um, there have been cases all across the U.S. where um, uh, homosexuals, after the Pulse uh, nightclub shooting, started going to the range because they're like, hey, you know, what? we need to defend ourselves, right? And they're going into these ranges where you got these, you know, G.I. Joe type guys. And the GI Joes are like, Hey dude, let me show you, come over here, use this gun here check out this one and see how this one feels. Cause that's like the gun community is like, Oh dude, I don't, I don't care about your background. If you want to learn self-defense and firearms, come on over, man. It's like one of the most accepting, uh, groups there, there is. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm in this class, this, uh, this introduction to the competitive shooting. And oh man, dude, my my recorder stopped recording, so I hope yours is still recording. It is. What if it ran out of space? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> don't do that. Don't do that. So anyway, I, I'm sitting there, and then Sunday I'm in church, and uh, you know the pastors uh, talking, and and we'd been meeting the week before about you know how are we going to outreach and stuff like that, and I I just I kind of decided right there, you know what. I'm going to get into competitive shooting for the sole purpose of meeting other non-Christians in a culture where I'm already accepted. Like I've never gone to any gun event where, you know, you're not immediately accepted. And, and the thought that was crossing my mind was, Hey man, you know, maybe we could put together a, uh, a, uh, a league team kind of think of it like bowling, right? Bowling's got leagues and you got your team, same thing in shooting. So I'm putting together a, a, a league team. We'll probably join um, another league first, uh, another team, I should say, and just, you know, learn it all. Cause you don't have to be good, but I'm putting this out there. Anybody here in Southern California that wants to go with me on this journey. And the point is to 
to be, you know, Christians in this, this culture and to meet these guys hmm. and, um, and, and gals. I mean, it's actually, I shouldn't just say guys, it's guys and gals. And, uh, you know, so if anybody wants to come with me on that journey, Paul Percy, I'm looking at you. Um, let me know, man. And, uh, and you don't have to be good. Like you're not competing against these guys who are like Bob Vogel, who's literally unbeatable. In fact, this, this is how good this guy Bob Vogel is. They came out with what they call the Vogel rule. If you're within 3% of his score, you get to win too. Cause no one <laughs> on the planet can be serious. That's how good that guy is. Yeah. Wow. You're not competing against those guys. I mean, they have so many different levels and, and all that type of stuff. You're, you're not competing against those guys. You can be a brand new starting out. Hey, I've never drawn a gun out of a holster. That's cool. And, mm. uh, and the gun community doesn't care either. Like they're just like, Oh dude, sweet. You're, you're here. Cool. Oh, you want to know how this works? Or you want to know these rules here? We'll work with, with you. So, I mean, it's, it's already an open community and it's, it's perfect for, for our infiltration that we right. will. Get. So anybody who wants to come with me on that journey, reach out to me, you know, uh, Pete at church Wait, that one goes right to trash. Go to, uh, Oh, actually this fits in nicely. My, my business email is Pete at bust out the big guns.com. Huh? Mm. Perfect. Bust out the big guns. That's funny. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the, the gun club people see themselves as, or the, you know, gun owners um, see themselves as a persecuted group. So it would make sense that there's that immediate, um, acceptance. Yeah. I've, I've had, I've had Christians, um, leave comments on my website, um, you know, about our podcast that, you know, I thought this was a Christian, but you know, so it's really interesting because you and I have talked about this, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not anti-gun, um, at all, but I'm, I'm also not really pro owning a gun myself. You know, it's just personal choice. Um, but, right. Own enough for both of us. That's right. But you know, I don't, I don't have a moral problem with it. I get it. When I came back here, I, I, I remember just feeling like I want to protect my family. And, um, in some circumstances, which I won't go into, changed my mind shortly after I got home, um, lost a good friend to a, a self-inflicted gunshot wound and, uh, just started working through Would I ever be in a place like that where I would make that decision. And, um, Decided not to, you know, and again, it's here I am going into it, but for personal reasons, we'll, ju- we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, work through it. Grew up in a house full of guns. And um, so, you know, it, it's interesting to me because as, as I look at it, it's like so many things we talked about. MMA. Remember when we did the yep. MMA magazine and people were like, how oh, can you be a Christian and support? And here, you know, we, we, the guy that started that with us was the chaplain for the, you know, the, uh, UFC, you know, or, or uh, really all the MMA, um, come, not UFC wasn't officially their sponsor, but he was in the homes of almost every single one of those household names we would know. Still is. Yeah. And, and he, you know, but the community could not, the Christian community could not see. And, and it's very similar to Jesus going after the sinners and, and tax collectors. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, like uh, people from a homosexual background. Like, like these are all things that, that this is the real world. And it's time to kind of wake up 
to the fact that we live in a very diverse world with people that don't think the same. And I believe that this is the age of the Christian thinker, not the emotional feeler. I believe that we've got to have reasoned responses to these things. Um, one of the one of the golden rules, I think, for engaging culture where it's at right now is it's never okay not to not, you know not to be civil. It's never okay to you know uh, to decide to hate somebody because you feel you have the moral high ground. I feel the church is getting that. I feel the world doesn't yet. When I look at Twitter and social media, when someone thinks they have the the moral high ground, they will lash lash out with the most vicious attacks. And you've lost the moral high ground as soon as you do that. And I think the church came to realize that even if we have a, 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 a document that we believe was inspired by God that has the absolutes of the universe in it, we still don't have the right having that document and knowing truth to attack people and be vicious. You know, the Pharisees had to learn that. And um, so, you know, here's, here's where I'm at. Sin. Let's, let's turn it around a little bit. We know that the behavior of being vicious um, isn't right. But at, at, at what point have we gone too far in our fear of appearing like Pharisees? At what point have we throttled off even talking about sin? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you go to a church. Um, you've been around church. I mean, I, I think we talked about sin in Refuge Long Beach quite a bit. And I think we reached a lot of sinners. Um and, and, and even that word has fallen out of vogue. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been around pastors. You know, I don't really like that word. I think it's a, a, a word that's a little out of date today. And when I hear that, I think, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't mind if you want to use other words in addition to that. But that kind of makes me think it's more about the concept than the word. Well, you know... Um Kind of how I look at it is, what was the purpose of the law? What was the purpose of the law? Yeah, that's that's a really good point, man. So people would know that they would never be good enough. Right. To go straight to God. Like When you look at the law, you look at just the simple Ten Commandments. I mean, and then you look at it. <laughs> Then you look at it, how Jesus goes, no, let me tell you what those really mean. <laughs> I mean, it's like, forget it, man. Forget it. I, I am fallen short. So I think you have to acknowledge sin for what it is because you're not serving anyone. Right. Making them feel good about the very thing that is going to lead them to realize they need a savior. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, really, I mean, boom, podcast done. <laughs> kind All right. of, Ooh, now that's can we kind of the bullseye. And and that's that's the thing is I, I think what what we're seeing in today's modern age is we're seeing a lot of um I would I would put it as antics where we're we're trying to be relevant and we're trying to show people, hey, I'm one of you and I'm real and I'm hip and relevant and you know, I can be funny and I'm not going to be the fire and brimstone preacher, but I feel like we've lost something of the power of preaching and the power of the gospel. I was watching, um, 
I know for a fact you haven't seen the show, but you should. It's dynamite. It's Right now, it's my favorite show. It's a show called The Crown, which is shocking to me. I did not think I would... I didn't want to watch it until I went over to the UK and my friends were watching. They say, hey, you want to watch a crown with us? You and- know, interesting side note, one of the gals um, in our, our church plant, uh, she th- they just moved away. But she's the one who did all of the research on the Billy Graham episodes for uh, the producers. Oh, my were- gosh, dude. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So here's the thing. That's exactly where I'm going. I watched that episode last night. It was mind-blowingly good. I mean, mind-blowing. So if, if you've been in the UK um, for any length of time, uh, like you've lived there, you know that the Queen's Christmas Day speech is a big deal, right? Like the world stops. It's like a British you, The Queen gets on TV. It used to be radio. She gets on there and she gives her speech. And every year it is full. She's the head of the church for the Church of England. I know that sounds really weird to us, right? But she's the head of the church. She's responsible for making sure that that people uphold. And this is really interesting if you don't understand this, because we think, oh, monarchy, what a weird thing. It's outdated. This is kind of the cool thing. I'll just, as a side note, <clears throat> the, the prime minister... It's really interesting because part of the it's it's set up for accountability. She doesn't really have political power, but the way that they organized it after Cromwell's revolution was that you would still be answerable. There would be a person with a face that you had to look into the eye who their name was attached to the government. So like the queen, it's all done in her name. You know, in the honor of Her Majesty the Queen, you know, um, Her Majesty's Royal Army, Her Majesty's uh, Royal Royal Mail. I mean, everything's done in her name. So when the leader of parliament uh, does something, he has to go and stand and look her in the eye once a week and tell her what he's doing with her government. Right. She has no power, but it puts a face of accountability on it, which to me is very powerful. Right. Um, and she, she questions them. She challenged, why, why have you done this? How is that ethical? Right? So she's seen as kind of like, she answers to God. Right? And I know like in the ages past, divine right of kings, it was all abuse. But it's different now because she doesn't have power. But that accountability is still there, which is a very powerful factor. And um, so what, what happens in this Billy Graham episode and this is true. Billy Graham went to London and same as Moody just made a huge impact. And of course, in this show, she's listening to Billy Graham. I, most people that are Christians believe that the queen is born again um, because of how she speaks about her relationship with God. It's not formal. She, um, even though she's a very formal person, um, she knows the gospel and she states the gospel. It's kind of like if you saw the recent royal wedding. And that guy got up there and just preached it, right? I mean, he preached the gospel. And um, people were like, wow. You know, well, that's like the Queen's speech. But anyways, in the Billy Graham episode, um, Billy Graham's just talking to her about sin. And that that was Billy Graham's deal. Like, he he preached to people that they were sinners. Uh, Ray Comfort, who 
Yeah, I think sometimes Ray Comfort overstates his case where he says you got to tell people they're dirty, filthy, rotten, stinking sinners and you're an adulterer and you're and he's quite harsh with it, you know, um, and he swears this is the one proven method. To me, that's overstated because when I read the Gospels, I see his point. I take his point. But when I read the Gospels, they're not giving Ray Comfort's message in the sermons that are recorded all throughout the pages of Scripture. Um, there's elements of his message in there at times, but not always. You know, it, it seems to have more of a Holy Spirit-inspired uh, trajectory that allows you to preach in different ways to different people using different messages. But there is always that sense. That it's not like God, God loves you, you're a sinner, and Jesus died for you. It's not that cut and dry like a JTC chick track, which a lot of you don't know what that is. But that was like a three-step, four-step knockout punch. It's not done like that. But what I'm noticing today is today's caliber of preacher wants to coddle and wants to gum people into the kingdom. We've stated this before, but there is a sense in which um, I think we've lost something of the power of the gospel that we've known before. And that is that the setup, like you said, the law is the setup for the good news. You have to hear the bad news before the good news becomes relevant to you. Mm. Right? Like God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That can be a very powerful thing to say to somebody. But that may not be, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm saying it may not be. That's not the gospel. That's a true thing. But that's not actually the gospel. The gospel is God will give you his righteousness. He will take your sin. He will condemn your sin in Christ on the cross and give you newness of life and deposit his Holy Spirit within you, raise you from the dead spiritually, and you will walk in power and freedom, love and forgiveness. Like this is the outworking of what Jesus did during his earthly ministry, his death and his resurrection. And if you're not preaching that, but you're preaching this kind of neutered version of God loves you and wants to be happy, um, you're, you're really not preaching the gospel. And, and so what I'm saying is, I, I would guarantee if you took churches that preach to people about sin and repentance, and yes, of course, like Spurgeon, I was reading Spurgeon today, and he goes, hey, we can talk about all that, but why not go further? And he said, you got to break through to the grace as well, but you have to get through that. Like, you can't skip it, and I feel like people are skipping it. So, if I took churches that skip that and said, well, you know, it makes people uncomfortable today, it always has. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, people have always been being killed for the message of the gospel, right? And you are probably going to be pretty dang unpopular um, at certain times of people if you preach the full gospel. Paul said, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have preached the full counsel of the word of God to you. I declared the whole counsel of the word of God. Um, He didn't hold anything back. And even Ezekiel in the Old Testament was told, Son of man, if you withhold from them what I've shared with you, then you'll be guilty of their blood. And John the Apostle gets a similar warning as that in Revelation, which if you know anything about Revelation, Revelation is 
heavily modeled after Ezekiel. So, um, yeah, these are just these are just things I think about, and I I worry a little bit for this next generation of preachers because I see us following the same trajectory that they did in Britain in the fifties, back when Billy Graham appeared there. By then, it was post World War II. A generation of preachers had died. This new generation had come up, and they were trying to coddle people, and it wasn't working. The church was in decline. Billy Graham comes over into the UK, preaches the old school gospel. And like, it was, it was incredible. It was such a huge impact. So many people came to faith and um, it was just the old gospel, timeless, tested, proven, and true. Yeah. You know, I remember at refuge Long Beach when uh, we were covering the book of Romans (laughs) and and I remember, <clears throat> for those of you who haven't been longtime listeners, um, one of the the members was a, or I should say, attendees. I don't, we never really had membership. One of the attendees was a, a transsexual, and I don't remember if it was you, Charlie, Chris. I don't remember who did it, but one of you, I remember the story, went up to Amanda before that service and said, "Hey, you know what? Today, just so you know." This is the topic that we're talking about, and I don't want you to think that I'm singling you out mm. and um, and just, you know, kind of put her at ease. But yet then didn't, didn't sugarcoat the topic either. Right. Because <laughs> you, you kind of have to talk about sexual immorality, homosexuality when you're covering Romans, if you're going to cover Romans. Right. Right. I mean. Anybody who says it's just an Old Testament topic has not read the book of Romans. Right. Because it's not just an Old Testament topic. But I just – I remember thinking, you know, that was wisdom to to go to someone who you know might not have just taken it as – I mean because they're a transsexual person, right? They, they, right. They've, got, they've got issues and I'm sure they've been attacked a lot. So the wisdom to go to that person and say, hey, look, this is the topic that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we're, you know, poking a finger at you. It's yeah. just that that's the topic we're talking about. And, yeah. you know, then didn't water, water down anything and just, you know, still went through that section of Romans that we were going through. Yep. I was there. I, I was literally in that conversation and um, it was it was fantastic because, um, you know, uh, Amanda just looked at us and said, yeah, I know. I know you guys. I've been here long enough. And it was just kind of like, you know, I'm here. I want to hear God's word. I want to hear what it says. Like, I'd be somewhere else. Like, I would I would hope that for all of us, somebody, like to us, that was the biggest compliment where they're like, yeah, we. I know you would never set out to hurt me. But I also know that you love me enough to, to, to tell me what the word of God says, you know, and I would, I wouldn't be here if that weren't the case, you know, literally one block down the street from us was a very liberal method, United Methodist church that had rainbow banners all over the front of it. And Amanda had to walk past that to get to us. Mm. And, 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 and I, I think that's like a super powerful, um, testimony right there that, you know, to us, that's the compliment is that, you know, we love you and we care about you and God loves you and cares about you. And, you know, 
I'm not going to apologize for, for what God says. God means what he says. He does love you. And he does have a plan for your life. And that plan for your life includes you not being in bondage to sin and the fear of death for the rest of your life. And he wants to set you free from that. You know, and, and if we ignore sin, we ignore the power of the gospel, what, what the gospel is all about. Like you can't, you can't really explain the gospel apart from sin. So I don't mind someone saying, well, I don't want to just sit there and beat people up and this and that. I'm totally cool with that. However, um, <laughs> you're not ever going to preach a gospel unless you do talk about it. And maybe, right. maybe that's the way, but you're also not going to see the conversions you know, like, and, and here's the thing is, you know, you know me, I'm a little skeptical. I'm not against people raising their hands um, to receive Jesus. I, I don't have a problem. That's how it's done. That's how it's done in your church. I don't have a problem with that. But for me, it's baptism. Um, you can raise your hand as many times as you want. But to me, when somebody gets baptized, and I, and I believe this was the New Testament model, that they just had baptism. It was like they didn't, Peter didn't say, slip your hand up. I, I see you in the back and count that 3,000 times on the day of Pentecost. I just think that Peter, they said, what must we do to be saved? And not being a baptismal regenerationist, he didn't, you know, don't get me wrong here. It's not like Peter was saying, be baptized, and that's how you get saved. He was just saying, believe, which we know is you're saved by faith. Um, salvation is faith. It's not an action. But the, the sign of that, like the Old Testament circumcision, the sign of your faith was to be baptized. And so he says, believe and be baptized. That's like the covenant you make with God. It's, a, it's like a seal. It, it's your way of saying, I have truly believed this and accepted this. And my whole life is in submission to Jesus. Like, that's what you did. You didn't slip your hand up. You didn't say the sinner's prayer. And I don't, like I said, I don't mind anyone doing that. But as you know, Pete, we didn't take people serious until they were ready to get baptized. They were like, okay, that person's following Jesus. Because that's what Jesus asked you to do once you put your faith in him. Mm -hmm. And so we would kind of say that. But but that's, to me, the, the real sign. So I might look at a church where the guy never talks about sin. You know, I might look at something like what, you know, some of these big guys on TV that, only say happy thoughts and they get this huge crowd. Like Paul said, where he says in the last days, uh, men will draw to themselves. Those who have itching ears to hear what they, what they want to hear. And, and preachers will preach that to him. Paul says that day's coming. Paul already spotted it and said, it's going to happen. And, but the, these guys aren't saved, you know? And, and so I can look at a ginormous church. It's growing leaps and bounds and people aren't saved there because they haven't truly repented and believed and followed. Jesus said, if any man must would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's just a part of repentance. And when the Holy Spirit's doing a deep work of conversion in your heart, that's what you do. You, you surrender, you submit, you, you follow Jesus, you, you, you abandon everything to have the pearl of great price. A man goes and sells all he has, Jesus said. And of course, he was being metaphoric there. He was using an analogy to say, that's what it feels like. And like, I've, I've renounced everything to have you, Lord. And, and so when I, when I look at conversions, I will make this statement, all that is to set up this. I guarantee that a guy who does preach sin and follows it with the gospel will see far more conversions than a man who 
has a ginormous church that's grown in leaps and bounds and never talks about it. Because one is true conversions and one is not. One is true life change and spiritual transformation and one is the other is not. He's building a crowd. And so I would say the power of the gospel is that. That's where, where Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would you be ashamed of a happy message? Obviously, the gospel, Paul said, there's, there's some bad news in here. There's some stuff that's difficult for people to hear. It's foolishness to the Gentiles. And, you know, it's a stumbling block to the Jews. But he goes, I'm not ashamed of it, for it's the power of God for those who believe. And I would say, you won't see power unless you tell people what, you know, um, the gospel truly is. The Holy Spirit will not own or honor a message you've made up. The Holy Spirit will only honor the actual message of the gospel. That is the only one he will honor. It is the only one he will empower. It is the only one he will work through. He will not work through a false gospel. Mic drop! (laughs) So, you know, Pete, while you're doing all that, talking about sin. (laughs) That's how you started off. You know, it's so funny because we were like the worst segwayers ever. Always. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, so to me, the value of, of this podcast over the years has been these crummy segues that we've done. Those are just, it doesn't matter what topic. There's nothing sacred. <laughs> we'll go anywhere with this setup. How do you do all your bookkeeping, Pete? Well, I'm glad that you asked that because um, I'm usually really busy with sin. <laughs> just going to say I'm busy with sin, you know, maybe dealing with other people's, maybe counseling, maybe... Maybe dealing with my own. Who knows? Mm. Uh, so in those times, uh, I rely on a great little service called SimplifyChurch.com. I reach out to Josh Henry over there, and I say, Josh, I'm busy with some sin right now. Can you help me with my books? You know, true story. Yesterday, I had um, I got an email from Josh Henry. It was a form email that was sent out to everybody. He, he still loves me, but I was not special. But what happened was he sent that out, and it was like, hey, guys, last chance today to mail in your tag. And I had forgotten, like I had like six names of people that gave that we didn't have their address. And I was able to track down all those names and send them in to Simplify Church. Like it's just, those are donors. Like those are people that give to new breed church planning. And it was like, you know what? Like I really, like I was grateful for that because I don't want to lose those donors. Those donors like, Hey, where's my tax receipt? You know? And uh, you have to report to the IRS what was donated every year. And you have to provide the addresses for people over a certain amount. So, And they track all that for you. So they sent me an email saying, hey, Peyton, we don't have these six addresses. Do you have them? And I was like, no, but I'll get them. And uh, so I'm just telling you, like, <laughs> it's worth every penny. And you don't pay a lot. They're, they're very reasonable for what you get for that service. So go on over to SimplifyChurch.com and check them out. Well, guys, thanks for listening today to the podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, If you want to reach the ones nobody reaches, need to go where nobody's going, say what nobody's saying. Preach sin and preach the gospel. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. 
The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music